Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And it's just the two of us to wrap up Midnight Hunt Story. Uh, so thank you all for, for listening to now five episodes all about the story of Innistrad Midnight Hunt. But first, uh, we have like a little bit of news. Um, there was like a bunch of secret layers announced today. Uh, today being Thursday because we record on Thursday. And we always record right after the weekly MTG show on Twitch. So we got to see all of the cool secret layers. Um, there's like a Stranger Things secret layer that we've known about for a really long time. Uh, there's a bunch of Innistrad themed secret layers. There's like a Liliana one that's really cool that I like. No, no, the other Liliana one. There's two Liliana ones. Um, but the one I really like is the one with uh, the Liliana Planeswalker card in it. So yeah, I think those are those are some neat secret layers coming out. There's really not a lot of other news. Um, we're in the lull of story time, so... We're sort of just waiting for Crimson Vow story to start. We know that previews for Crimson Vow will begin on October 28th. So that is a Monday, I believe, maybe? Or is, is it a that? Thursday? The 28th is a Thursday. Huh. Yeah, I thought they had some weird... Um, I bet that's because there's going to be previews on Weekly MTG. Yeah, but they do like their... I mean, if they're doing one of the preview shows, which I'm assuming they're doing then main story will come out on Thursday and then the side story will come out on Friday and then it goes back to Wednesday and Friday, which like, I don't know, weekly MTG isn't that big of a thing to re-catch <laughs> to, to Wednesday once in a while to sync it up. But I mean, if you want to shift the story around it, sure. Well, uh, the, the sad news is though that uh, today we're covering the last bit of story for Midnight Hunt. So we're going to have to wait until uh, the week following the 28th when we'll start covering Crimson Vow. Uh, maybe. We might have a preview episode. We don't know. That hasn't been announced yet. But uh, we will keep y'all up to date. But for now, uh, Carrie, are you ready for us to jump into episode five of the main story? The finale. Yes. The, the finale. The finale. Uh, mid-season. <laughs> it is a mid-season finale. Yes. Um, this is uh, episode five, Night Closes Round. Uh, once again, by K. Arsenault Rivera, who's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, very glad that we're going to have her back for the Crimson Vow story, because this story kind of ends on a cliffhanger. Uh, first thing we get in the story is Arlen just kind of thinking about her childhood home and her father working in the forge. And he tells her to, you know, be careful about the woods. And like we know, she becomes a werewolf and she like runs all over the universe or multiverse or whatever you want to call it. Uh, she returns much later in life finally with the courage to visit her childhood home and finds it's burned down. Uh, the townspeople don't seem to have a clear answer about what happened, but they say, you know, it was a forge. Like, fires happen at forges. That makes sense. But we kind of get the hint that, like, Tovalar was somehow responsible because we go from that memory of her childhood directly into the fight with Tovalar. Uh, Arlen and Tovalar are, as we said at the end of the last story, uh, they're starting to fight. They are They're exchanging blows. And Arlen is absolutely a very capable fighter, but Tovalar has the upper hand this entire fight, basically. He's been pleading with her to come back to the pack, and as he says, to come home. Uh, Arlen doesn't want to join the pack. She does not want to join up with Tovalar, but she does feel sort of that, that primal pull towards it. Um, eventually, Tovalar pins her to the ground with like the help of a split tree that he like throws her into. Uh, she gets pretty busted up, uh, and then also, on top of that, her former wolf pack shows up. So, you know, Boulder and, and Streak and all these, like, wolves who were with her at the beginning of the story are now pinning her to the ground. Except for Patience, who is the best dog. I mean, wolf. Best wolfo. Uh, Patience is standing off to the side and clearly does not want to be a part of this. 
uh, Arlen sort of calls to Patience in a little way, and Patience comes over and provides some comfort to her. Uh, Arlen realizes what she has to do in that moment, and she tells Tovalar that she is home. Uh, Tovalar takes this as an admission of defeat or rejoining the pack, and he very kindly helps her back up to her feet. Uh, and Arlen just straight up sticks her claws into his sternum and forces him to call off the hunt. Uh, he he says to her that she lied, and she says no, that she didn't lie in Estrada's home, and she will do anything she can to protect it. Um, which I thought was like a really interesting sort of uh, weakness of Dovalar's, is that he is very much um, a surface-level person. If Arlen says that she is home, he's going to believe that she means with the pack. Uh, he, I feel like he, um, he was genuinely hurt by this and it was interesting to read the story and like, no Tovalar is a sort of like hulking murderous, like wild being, but also like deeply hurt by this dishonesty and, and betrayal from Arlen. I mean, um, like if there's anything magic story has taught us, it's that you need to ask clarifying questions. You need to make sure you know exactly <laughs> what people are saying. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I won't lie, I felt a little bad for him, but also like, I don't know, kind of got to expect that. Like she did, she did beat the shit out of you once before. So yeah. And so uh, he, he does call off the hunt because Arlen has her literal like claws in his chest, which is uh, like a really compromising situation to be in because your chest is where your heart generally is kept. So I understand his desire though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'll survive. And uh the the shamans of the Mandronan pack, I'm sure, will heal him up. Uh the the werewolves leave the Harvest Tide Festival. Uh all of the like attendees who are still alive are sort of like trying to clean up some of the mess. Uh there's some witches who are trying to heal people. There's, you know, guards who are still trying to to help out where they can. But uh this is this is a massacre. Um Arlen refers to it as the Harvest Tide Massacre and says that's what people are going to call it from then then on. So in our next return to Innistrad, look for a saga called the Harvest Tide Massacre. Um, <laughs> we got the Meat Hook Massacre, but that was an enchantment, not a saga. Uh, so after that, uh, Chandra shows up with Adeline and Adeline's horse. And that's important because uh, Arlen is just absolutely falling apart. And so Chandra picks up Arlen in human form uh, and puts her onto the horse. And they ride off to the center of the Celestis where there's a bunch of chanting witches. Uh, there's some really great language here about Arlen sort of joining the chanting, even though she doesn't know the words and like the magic sort of coming from her bones itself and how this is ancient magic and not really something the church would would ever do. But she can't help but feel like, you know, this is this is sort of a force just like the power of the church. Um, it is something older and maybe even more powerful. Uh, they get to the center. Uh, Adeline and Chandra are like, they're very cute together. Um, Chandra helps Adeline off the horse, which I'm sure Adeline does not need help from Chandra to get off her own horse because, you know, Adeline is a Cathar and rides horses all the time. And Chandra comes from a plane with no horses, as far as I remember. Don't think Kaladesh has any horses. So don't know if uh, Chandra has a lot of horse experience, but hey, she helps anyways. Uh, <laughs> and then together they sort of carry Arlen into the center of the the clearing of the Celestis. Uh, Katilda is there and she she asks Arlen to lend her her strength as a child of blood and fang. Uh, Arlen then gives some of her blood from one of her wounds and puts it in what is the sun gold lock, which is this like shining golden bowl 
Uh, she also, to give her fang, like bites an herb and puts the herb in the bowl as if like, ah, here's my imprint of my fang. Um, makes sense. This is like ancient witch magic, you know, stuff like that works. Uh, Catilda then gives root and soul, which means she um, takes this like really ancient, gnarly old root, turns it to ash and smears it inside the bowl. And then um, she she puts her soul in it, <laughs> which is like she literally just sort of like eyes roll back in her head and her soul just kind of floats out and into the bowl. Um, and as her body is like collapsing into the arms of some waiting witches behind her, uh, we have death from above, literally. Um, Olivia Voldarin descends from the, the top of the Celestis, grabs Catilda's limp body, uh, and she reaches for the moon silver key, but Arlen manages to grab it away in time. Uh, and she gets a little burned by it because it is, you know, a silver key and Arlen is a werewolf. Um, Olivia is absolutely dramatic she has the best writing i love her character in this story um you should absolutely read it because the way she talks about the whole situation is just wonderful uh she refers to um catilda as this uh like withered old witch um it's it's a shriveled old witch excuse me uh and she she says you know she needs these for her um her coming ceremony she's playing up the the bridezilla very well <laughs> um, she uh she demands an exchange for Catilda. She will uh take the moon silver key. She wants her key, uh, which she refers to it as hers, which is very funny because last we saw it was in the possession of uh Soren Markov. So Olivia's, you know, just Bridezilla again. Um Arlen sort of like confers with the other people down there who are waiting and finds out that like none of the witches gathered know how to do the ritual. And no one really knows what happened with the whole soul thing. So they don't even know if the ritual is complete at all. Um, all they know is that, hey, uh, we need Catilda back. And so Arlen uh, throws the uh, the moon silver key up to Olivia, who catches it and goes, thanks. And then uh, throws down Catilda, like throws her down, like tosses her into the altar and smashes it. Uh, Arlen jumps in front and catches the body to sort of soften the blow. Uh but we don't really know if Catilda's okay. We don't know if she survived. Um, the implication is that she didn't uh, because the, the story ends with the, the line, uh, the Celestis has gone silent. It is night on Innistrad. It will be night from here to eternity. And that's the end of the main story. And it's like a mid-season cliffhanger. Uh, they lost. Everything went to, to darkness. Uh, sorry if you wanted a happy ending, but we didn't get one. Yeah. I mean, Catilbo's still alive, though. Like, 100% still alive. Andor will have a soul recovery mission in um, part two, Crimson Vow. But, yeah, I mean, if Olivia wanted to kill her, she could have killed her midair or killed her body. Who knows where her soul is? Or maybe her soul um, gets to be the spooky counterpart who gets to spy on things. Yeah, I... I'm really interested in, in how this is going to play out because we didn't get an explanation. Like that was the end of the story. There was no like, and then Catilda was fine or, Oh, she doesn't have a soul, but she's still alive or like, there's nothing. It's just, that's the end. It all kind of comes to a head very suddenly. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's like theoretically the whole premise of Innistrad, the original block with dark ascension and Avacyn restored was that, like, as of Dark Ascension, if something didn't happen major, then, like, Innistrad was actually doomed. 
And that was because Avacyn was missing, and Avacyn was, like, the only thing holding Innistrad together. Like, Avacyn's long gone at this point. There's not a whole bunch holding Innistrad together. Sigarda can theoretically take the place, but, like, this was the human shot at rebalancing things. Um, probably albeit temporarily, because it doesn't seem like it everything stays in balance for very long, or at least until they need another return set. But <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, like, full expectation that day gets restored by the end of the block and we're not left on, like, a two-set long cliffhanger of um, Eternal Night. But at the same time, like, I don't know. It was a very, very good mid-season finale. Like, can't wait till Crimson Bow story starts. We'll be happy to start reading those. Yeah, in two weeks, um, yes. <laughs> which is a very short turnaround. Uh, yeah, I I loved this story. I have been consistently impressed with uh, Rivera's writing on these. Um, she's capturing the characters really well. Uh, the The writing is just beautiful in its own way. Like, I say this every time, but please just read the stories. Um, my summary was very short this week because I've been uh, feeling kind of under the weather, uh, but it's got some of the best writing, I think, out of all the five stories. Um, the way that Olivia speaks, the way she interacts with them, the way that Arlen is sort of uh, thinking about thinking things through and like weighing options and considering the ramifications of her actions. Uh, it's all it's all really, really good. Um, we get some callbacks to the Innistrad Endurers uh, motif from previous stories where um, when Arlen is sort of surveying the, the, the you know, Harvest Tide Massacre, um, she's like, you know, Innistrad endures, you know, that's, that's just the rule. Innistrad will keep going. Um, which means, you know, when we return for the next Innistrad return, it'll be a uh, Innistrad endures will be the name of the set. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would like like a good, clean, like the, the plane is permanently threatened the cliffhanger. Um, not that I want like new Phyrexy levels of annihilation, but like, I don't know. Innistrad, Innistrad enduring every single time doesn't get as exciting when you realize like, oh, the humans are going to restore balance or balance is going to be restored somehow to keep the horrors away for just long enough until a new horror arises. And then at that point, they'll need to fight back once again. It's just like, I don't know, like you can do that as many times as you want, but also like when it comes to permanently threatening the status of planes um magic is very very keen on reusability of planes and that's why like the guilds will never go away and the humans will never go away on Innistrad but it's also like just interesting when you go to the full extent of like mirrored in levels of like oh they're actually wiped out like as of our last visit um most everybody is wiped out and there's like very little mirror resistance and it's pretty clear that they will never be able to take back the plane um, without some kind of very, very drastic action. But it's like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I recognize it's hard to return to planes in that instance, as evidenced by, like, new Phyrexia being <laughs> 10 years ago and not seeing real hints of it since outside of uh, some, like, one-off cards. But it's just like, I don't know. Not that I want Innistrad to get nuked, because I know a lot of people like Innistrad and they want to have the forever characters there forever. But it's also just like, I would like to see... Like, you are giving us um, plain threatening stakes pretty much every story where it's like, if this doesn't happen, then the entire plane will just, like, 
go wild and nothing will be able to save it from recovery. But it's also just like, I want to be pushed over the edge once or twice to like actually see a fan love plane, a fan loved plane get destroyed. Because at the same time, like there is going to be a finite number of times that you can recycle the same settings over and over and over again. So, well, the good news is that we are returning to Nistrad in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so as of right now, the plane is sort of in uh, that nuked state where we're like led to believe that everything is is bad forever. Yeah, uh, and it's also like yeah. hard to convey that outside of like Thraben, which has been pretty much the key setting for the past two blocks, and then that's just like a literal <laughs> ghost town. <laughs> like, there's not you can't really convey it much more than that outside of like oh, every creature in the set is not a human. Like, everything has mm-hmm. to be a horror or else it doesn't survive on Innistrad. But, yeah, wow. excited to see what yeah. part two has in store. I'm I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be very good. I I hope that they wrap up the story of the Celestis and the Moon Silver Key and Catilda and we get, like, some, like, satisfaction from that, even if it's just like, oh, yeah, no, Catilda's dead and we're doomed. Like, but I just, I, want, <laughs> I hope that we get that that like wrap up. Um, and I hope that it comes, it's weaved into whatever the main story of Crimson Val was going to be. Um, we know that Crimson Val was focused on Olivia's wedding. She would not let us forget that this whole story. It's all about her. She's the bride. Um, we're very excited for her. Uh, I have not gotten my invitation, but I'm assuming the mail is just running slow. That's fine. Um, but I hope that this story gets wrapped up in a meaningful way with that story. Uh, we'll see what happens. But, I feel like retaining yeah. the rates, the same writer between the two mm-hmm. sets pretty much guarantees that. But I'll also say like this whole, I mean, Midnight Hunt and assumingly Crimson Vow, as long as the same characters are um, continuing between the two sets, uh, is a good hopping on point for people that fell off during more of the Spark and Forsaken and just general like loss of web fiction. Like, this is the return of web fiction. This is the return of some of the Gatewatch. <laughs> like, a good chunk of the Gatewatch. Um, return of Arlen. Arlen wasn't really touched on a whole ton in Shadow's Block or really in War of the Spark. So just getting to see, like, her character fully fleshed out. And it's also just, like, fan favorite plane of Innistrad. Like, mm-hmm. those things make it very friendly to people who were caught on in the new era and might have fallen off since so and also it's a two set not block i can't legally say it's a block or else oh (laughs) wizards hitman will kill me but it's it's a two set block that will uh have a continuing story between the two um assuming really with the same gatewatch characters so yeah and now we we had web fiction for kaldheim and strixhaven and um oh what else do we have web fiction for what i don't remember um, but we had we had webject fiction and it was it was good and I recommend you go back and read those but like this is the first time we've had web fiction where we're carrying through one plot through two different sets and we're carrying direct character translation through it um, which I mean we've been discussing before like some characters and other sets just kind of disappeared after the set was done and had no real effect on the story and we don't know what they're doing yeah um, so like. Everything that happened in, you know, uh, Ikoria and uh, Eldraine 
kind of didn't matter, except for Eldraine had characters in Strixhaven and Ikoria character in Strixhaven. Um, but but then Theros was yeah. a ghost town. Yeah. Oh well, like, I mean the the Theros story um, didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so like that that had no effect on the future. Um, and also, like I don't want to make people believe that this will be like the Gatewatch show as it was during the during the new era where we get to continue to watch them across multiple sets. Like I would like that, but at the same time, like I don't think that's the general vibe that they're going for now. But also like these are the same core cast of characters that you know. So at least it's like enjoyable story in that regard to see familiar faces. Yeah. I um I'm loving it. I can't wait for Crimson Vow. Uh but that's the end of the main story of Midnight Hunt. Um, overall, great, great story. Loved it. Thought that uh, some of the, like, some of it felt like going to get a MacGuffin and then turning around and then going back and then turning around, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, like, all of that is just, you know, what happens when you're writing a serialized story. Uh, and everything else about it was uh, excellent. All the characters are fantastic. The writing is wonderful. Um, big fan of Midnight Hunt story. Main story. Side story, yeah. also a fan of, if we want to start talking about that. Yeah. Um, the Dusk Reborn by Rhiannon Rasmussen. Um, is that the correct way to pronounce it? I'm, I'm guessing. Might be Rasmussen. Rasmussen. Rhiannon sounds correct. Yeah. Um, so we start off with a tanner in on Innistrad named Ogly. I do not know how to pronounce that. Ogly? Ogly? It's A L G L I. I thought it was Agly until I saw the the first L there. Yeah, there's a there's another L in there, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say ugly, so I will say <laughs> Agly. El El um, lived outside of a town. So a tanner named Agly lived outside of a town with her husband and son, and then uh, had a pretty peaceful life until horrors of the night kind of ramped up around Enestrad, and zombies ended up invading her home, and her husband and son died. Um, also (laughs) like lit a fire to try to keep them away. Um, So she ended up burying her husband and son and prayed to angels that their graves would remain undisturbed. But as on Innistrad, there's ghoul colors everywhere. So (laughs) a a ghoul color ended up calling them up from their grave. She meets up with uh, another fellow in the general area, Alucio, who whose daughter was murdered and then reanimated by the same ghoul caller. So they kind of team up, kill him, and end up being able to rebury their dead loved ones. Um, and Alucio believes in a figure known as the Buried Lord. And um, the Buried Lord is able to protect people's graves, um, just generally like a safekeeper of the dead. And they think that if the Buried Lord is summoned, then they probably won't have to worry about their dead being disturbed quite as much as they currently are. Um, And so he kind of makes these efforts to summon the Buried Lord and rallies people into these efforts, but also like it's in Estrad, so people don't generally generally get to live around for that long. Um, So his group has kind of dwindled at this point. And currently Lucio's group is only him, Ogly, and a Saruda. Um, and those three are going into the woods for their final chance to summon the buried lord. Um, they begin to attempt the ritual. Um, they finish the ritual 
and nothing has happened. Uh, Saruta ends up turning on them and leaves. Alucio kind of despaired, ends up following soon after. And Ogly is sobbing in the woods alone when she hears somebody is creeping up behind her. She thinks it could be the Buried Lord and they could have succeeded in their summoning. Um, and so she begins to turn around, but she sees it's a strange woman who is holding a very, very old spear, uh, pre-Avicinian of the church. Um, and Liasa is introduced. She explains that she means no harm to Ogly. Um, she asks about the ritual that uh, the three were doing in the middle of the woods. But also she quickly explains that the Buried Lord does not protect anything. It is a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and steps forward and Ogly realizes that Liesa is an angel. Um, they talk a little bit more. Um, Liesa reveals that she was summoned by Ogly's prayers in the woods. Um, but she is not the Buried Lord. The Buried Lord is roaming free in the woods and has likely already killed her friends who had walked off earlier. So Ogly patches up the angel's wounds, um, kind of tells her about the past three sets of Inish, <laughs> or the past uh, blocks of Innistrad, um, specifically about her sisters, um, the angels going mad, the travails, uh, her sisters dying. Um, but in the end, they agree that they do need to re rebury the buried lord, um, currently unburied lord. And they go searching in the woods. They find Alucio's remains um, and creep a little bit further. And then they find the buried lord, who is a demon. And he is nearby, and he has captured Sruta. Um, Liesa tries to demand her release, but the lord ends up killing her. Um, Liesa strikes him, and the Buried Lord battles back a little bit. Um, the Buried Lord offers Liesa, like, hey, if you just, like, hand me over the third human, we can, like, that'll satiate my hunger, and then we can make a deal. You know, that deal you wanted to make all those years ago? Like, we can, we can get going on that. It's been quite a while. Um, but Liesa refuses and strikes his spine with the spear, and he disintegrates, and the battle is over. Yeah, it's uh, a good ending. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> he reappears and is grabbing Ogly over near another tree. Um, Ogly starts saying this ancient spell that she had learned when she was researching the Buried Lord. But then the spell that she's reciting uh, begins to heal him and his wounds that were inflicted on him by Liesa. Um, Liesa shouts like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Ugly kind of understands what's going on there. Um, she announces her hope and defiance against the Buried Lord and her hope for Lisa. And her hope powers Lisa. And the angel dash dashes over and cuts the demon's throat. Um, and also just like keeps going at it and chops his head full off. Um, so she's saved successfully. The Buried Lord's body has not disappeared though. Um, Liesa speculates that they are probably bound to each other due to the summoning situation. Um, Algli offers to make the Buried Lord's remains into her armor and weapons um, and kind of become like a loyal follower of Liesa. But Liesa considers it for a moment and she explains that she needs allies, not followers, um, 
to restore balance to Innistrad, and they just go on their merry way. Best friends forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love the story. There's a lot of like world building aspects to it. Yeah, um, there's just there's a lot of little things to glean from it. Uh, there's like the whole thing about the buried lord, which is really cool because like this is obviously a demon. Like I don't think there's any like assumption that this isn't a demon. Um, but the hope is that this is like one of the good ones, I guess. Um, like for a while, I thought he might have just been like one of those weird elemental protectors like not stick finger levels but like could just be an elemental of the woods who is like trying to do right and actually protect people but no no he is a lord (laughs) he is a demonic lord um yeah um i do like the idea of like demons who don't like the the ghoul callers and necromancers because like they want domain over the dead so i thought that was like a really cool character choice for him i thought that was like a I thought it was neat to see the ways that humans have responded to the horrors of Innistrad and having that include like an actual look at humans who have turned to like demonic magics and like cults and things like that. Yeah. Because um, we know it exists. Like we've had cards since the very first Innistrad block that are like, here are humans who are evil and they are like part of a cult. But like we never really get a story where it's like, hey, here's an in-depth look at like why people turn to those like weird dark demon cults and like how that looks um so i like that i thought it was cool uh i think that algly is a really compelling character um because she has suffered so much in her life i think that like the tidbit that got me the most about her is the fact that her 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 son didn't die by being killed by ghouls he died from burn wounds from when they burned down the tannery so that algly could escape yeah like that is the thing that like hit me the most about him because I was like, she she did not watch him get killed by ghouls. She watched him die so that she could live. Um, which was, you know, like a direct like That's she the kind story of, of the him. life on Innistrad. Just knowing that if you survive you're not any luckier than anybody else. You're just <laughs> waiting to be another um tragedy. Yeah. Uh and I I really liked uh Lisa or Liesa or however, is there like a, a like confirmed pronunciation probably not um i like the fact that she is uh she's just very real um there like there was no like ah yes i am an angel and you summoned a demon and you have done a very bad thing and i you know blah blah it was just she was just like oh yeah no i mean like it makes sense she's like (laughs) Like, i made the mistake of trying to fuck with this guy earlier bad move i'm gonna help you deal with him yeah she's like no i I get it i got why you would summon him i i tried to do it too i thought it was a good idea it's not yeah don't do it um the demon nature also goes back to like the original planeswalker guide to inestrad um and an oft-cited tidbit there where it's like demons on inestrad don't die as much as they like die in their current form and then get to linger about in the ether and then get reborn sooner or later um and a lot of people like didn't understand how that worked. Um, there's a story about Withengar unbowed and Saint Traft from the original block mm-hmm. that kind of explains it. But for the most part, it's not like very, very often touched upon that like you can't really kill a demon forever. And I think that's partially because like Liliana did kill a demon forever, but we're just going to ignore that specific case that happened because um, Gristlebrand 
has not been reborn. And if he did be, re- if he was reborn, then it would kind of be a little bit of a flaw in the plan of like getting rid of her debtors for good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that had something to do with like the chain veil or something or another, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. D- d- there's no story. So I'll chalk it up to the chain. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the idea of the demons being able to come back and also this angel who consorted with demons is able to come back. Um, and she's partially bound to this one specific demon. Like, I don't know, makes enough sense for me. Like, yeah. I think that was a lo- the loophole that a lot of people were hoping for anyways. Like they were hoping that there was going to be like half demon, half angel or some kind of demonic magic that kept her, um, made her come back. But also like, I don't know, it wasn't going to happen until it was literally written in a story. So nobody knew for sure, but I'm happy they went about it this way. Um, this is a good way of restocking the supply of angels. On <laughs> you you lost a total of three and now you have two. So like net down one angel, just make Soren into an angel. We'll see how that goes. God, making Soren into an angel. <laughs> he would. God, I, I don't know if he'd hate that or love that. No, he would just like scold you for praying like you're wasting my time. Um. I like the little historical tidbit that we get where she, Lisa kind of explains that um, like the other angels like exiled her and shunned her and then Avison killed her, which is like a little different than I think a lot of people thought the situation was. People kind of assumed that like she was like cool or whatever with the other angels and then Avison was the one who decided to kill her. But it sounds yeah. like it sounds like the other three also were kind of like, uh, no, don't. It also don't didn't help that they weren't like in their correct mind when they were recalling those details during shadows block. So yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a really good way to end these like side stories for midnight hunt, just giving us like a story that really only tangentially relates to the main story in the sense of like, you know, stuff sucks on Innistrad, uh, yeah. but gives us like a whole lot of world building and like insights into things that we just can't cover in the midnight hunt story. Um, like Lisa, I, I want Lisa to become a character in the story, like the main story. I want her to be involved. I would love to see her interacting with Sigarda because, like, imagine that, you know. Um, <laughs> Sigarda seems to be no bullshit as soon as Soren came up, so can't imagine there's very kind words there. Um, and also, like, she correctly identifies Avison as Soren's creation in the story. So, oh god, what she does knows she call which fool? I think it was like Soren's folly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, you created an artificial angel to guard over the world. And then it starts turning against like one who seems to have had pretty decent intentions, but was just like doing the best with what she's given worldwide. But yeah, like all of the side stories have been much more interesting perspectives on Innistrad um, that are entirely different than the main story. Like, it is, I won't call it slice of life or anything, because a lot of them are, like, way more than that. Um, it just, like, it widens the world farther than, um, I think, past sets have in side stories. Like, a lot of the side stories in the past in Estrad sets have kind of just been, like, horror stories for the most part. Like, kind of standalone things. But I think these ones have, like, really gone out of their way to show, like, the human side of Innistrad having to fight against the monster side just to survive. Um, which like fits in with the whole theme of the set. Like 
just humans trying to literally live. That's all they're asking for. Yeah. I mean, we, we got some, some good side stories in the past, but like none have really given us as much world building as these. Have. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had, uh, I would say like, we got a little bit of world building in the Gitrog frog story um, a little bit. Yeah. You know, we learned a little bit about like some of the horrors that exist in Innistrad outside of the standard demon. And yeah. Vampire and I think werewolf. that's like one of the strongest um, things is like mm-hmm. knowing that the vampires aren't the strongest force they are just the force that the humans happen to be dealing with right now when you're looking at the main story. <laughs> like there are many other things waiting in the um waiting in the backlog to take advantage or attack or just prey upon the general desperation of the humans. So And then we did get a lot of world building in one side story, the biggest side story of Innistrad, Children of the Nameless. Um but yeah. <laughs> we don't really know how much of that actually is like ever going to show up again um you, you know you know i love children of the nameless um i'm disappointed that they did it dirty i hope that a change in leadership can kind of mend some of those wounds um so that we get more kind of individual stories like that i think Seanan mcguire mm-hmm. posted on twitter today about um it was basically like a shoot your shot thread um and she had posted um about wanting to do like kind of planeswalker one-off character exploration novels. Um, and like, I'm all for that. Like I want there to be like some of the best stories that they've been able to tell have been entirely removed from standard sets. And that includes the ongoing boom comic series. Like it's not tied down to a standard set. You, you're not legally obligated to include every new plane on release. Like we got a little snippet of Kaldheim, but we don't have to have a whole comic on Kaldheim. We don't have to um, show Streets of New Capenna when it comes out. Like you're not, you don't feel like you have to shoehorn in every single thing because it's going to be an ongoing comic series, and like they'll get around to that stuff whenever they feel like getting around to that stuff. But like, I don't know. It's such a hard needle to thread. Of like, the some of the best stories are those solo spinoff stories that don't necessarily have any tie to the standard set, and also like Wizards has criminally underpromoted those stories in the past and it's kind of just like on fandom love that a lot of them get to happen because it like do i legitimately think children of the nameless would have happened without brandon sanderson writing it for free no like there would have never been an initiative at wizards to kind of branch out in that direction and like as removed from a standard set as forsaken was it was still a continuation of war and generally poorly received but it's like the planeswalker novel series the deck fading comics like they're all kind of cult favorites and it's mm-hmm. very very hard for me to like i know this is very very <laughs> a very long tangent for me to go <laughs> off of, but um like they were all good stories that had their following and like maybe they just needed a little bit more love and promotion or maybe that thing is doomed to fail regardless of how you try to do spin-off side stories but it's like I just think it's like a breath of fresh air for fans to be able to see stories that aren't directly tied to a standard set or a set altogether and like just see planeswalkers be themselves and like you don't have to treat it the same way you do treat standard stories like even if it's own its own boom comic universe Mm -hmm. or you don't really have to tie the characters into their standard set appearances like i don't know i'd just be excited about that that was on my mind 
that can be my final thought because <laughs> prompted by a Twitter thread today. Uh, all I'm going to say on that is if any wizards uh, people are listening to our podcast for any reason, uh, you would do a great service to the community and make everyone very happy if you would just post Children of the Nameless on the website again. Just do it. Just put the PDF up there. If there's legal things, figure that out later. I don't care. Um, just <laughs> figure that out later. <laughs> Known wizards tactic. <laughs> um, the the thing is, is like it is a beloved story, and everyone knows where they can read it online for free. Uh, there are places that are hosting that PDF. The thing is, is that I don't want to tell people to do that. I would rather tell them to go to the magic story page and read Children of the Nameless. Yeah. Um, that's that's my like my final thought on that is that um, because it I remember when it came out it was around Christmas time and I read it one sitting late at night by myself like it was just a wonderful experience and I loved it and I want everyone else to have that chance it is a wonderful Christmas story um, if you're looking for something to do around Christmas time uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know why it's a Christmas story but it does resonate as a Christmas story to me. Um, I had messaged Spice um, on July, in July. Um, I said 17 months into it, and I'm starting to think that maybe Children of the Nameless won't actually be available in print soon. Uh, and he seemed to enjoy that. It, I mean, it's legitimately been like a year and a half, two years. Like, I'd eat your shame and just post the story again. Like, people genuinely enjoy the story, and it's a perfect free novella that goes along with the setting of Innistrad, even if it's not directly tied into Crimson Vow or Midnight Hunt. So yeah, just put it up, call it a Halloween present or a Christmas present or something and uh, tell people to go read it. And if you want to just take it down again for like a few months and only put it up <laughs> once a year. It doesn't matter that much. Put it up you know? for only October and only the last two weeks of October every year. But yeah. like, yeah, it, it you know just get it out there so people can read it, um, and so that when we talk about it, we don't have to say like, uh, "Yes, go Google where to find Children of the Nameless online." It's like I don't know, it just feels real shady. Um, yeah. My my final final thought is that uh, I got my third vaccine dose. Uh, you should do it if you are eligible. Um, COVID is is not going to go away <laughs> anytime soon. Everything is awful, but uh, wear a mask, get a vaccine, uh, be smart. And uh, yeah, that's my like stepping in for Jay because we don't have our public health person here. Yes. Uh, if you um, if you want to get your vaccine and then you want to talk about the side effects, you can do that. And we'll talk about channel. the side effects. Talk about Children of the Nameless and how <laughs> sick it is, and how Davriel was probably around for the original events of the Innistrad block, and maybe Grook stumbled into him at some point or another. And they had very funny interactions because those two haven't interacted on screen. So you can't be like wrong in your head canon. You can just talk to me about it in our discord. <laughs> <laughs> These discord transitions are really hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lorelai carries most of the weight. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that is true. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, our discord is available to patrons. Uh, you go to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast. Uh, it's $1 a month. Just just one dollar, and you get access to our Discord. Um, we really appreciate anything you give. Uh, our Discord has Vorthoses from around the world discussing Midnight Hunt story, uh, secret layers. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Crimson Hunt in like two weeks. Crimson Hunt, Crimson Vow. Um, Crimson. 
<laughs> the Midnight Vow and Crimson Hunt. Uh, but we're going to be talking about Crimson Vow's story in like two weeks. We've already spent a lot of time uh, talking smack about Soren. Um, so there's plenty of that to be had uh, in our Discord channel. If you pay uh, $3 a month to our Patreon, that's just $3 a month. That's, you know, $36 for a whole year. Um, but you can pay it month by month. You get access to our live listen. And our live listen is uh, where you get to come and like listen to us record the podcast. And we talk for like 30 minutes before recording and we'll probably talk a little bit after recording and you get to hear all our mistakes that are edited out. And uh, yeah, you should um, you should join that if you think that would be fun. We have a lot of fun discussions about magic story and lore and uh, Wizards of the Coast and things of that sort. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's it. And we're going to wrap this up. Um, Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.